With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, March Madness continues here on the tennis circuit. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo. We finished Indian Wells just a couple hours ago, it feels like, and Miami is a day away from beginning the qualifying matches. Uh, this Today's Tuesday, they're just wrapping up, so the draw will be uh, completed by tomorrow, and that's when uh, early round action begins. Pete is going to go down to Miami starting on Sunday. He'll be writing for the site. Uh, you can see his report starting on Monday of next week. And uh, live just, from Miami. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be live from Kibis game. Pete will be there. A um, couple posts a day, so check that out with everything else on the site. Uh, what are you uh, most looking forward to seeing down there? This is, I believe, your first live tennis of the year. Is there any players in particular you're looking forward to catch that you haven't seen, bef- seen before or some familiar names you want to get another crack at? Well, I'm hoping to see uh, a Wozniacki tight match with her. You know, maybe uh, with, with any luck, we might get a Wozniacki-Kleister's match if Kleister's shoulder is in better shape, I guess. Uh, because, you know, she's really, really played well, I think, this you know, you know, really, you know, she had that glitch at the Australian Open. She had match points. She loses that match, but you know, no shame in that. In the way she lost there, so I just really want to get a good close look at her and see because she is, you know, she is the number one. Uh, people do complain about her not having one major. I've become a fan in terms of her game. You know, I think there, there's a lot more to her game than, than some people acknowledge. So I really want to get a nice, good close look at her, see the state of her confidence, stuff like that. Uh, on the men's side. I'm kind of interested in Nadal with the clay court season coming up because he's always owned the clay court season. And now you've got Djokovic breathing down his neck. Uh, Federer, you know, it's really up in the air. I'm very curious to see Federer too, some Federer, because I think he, you know, he kind of needs to regroup here. I think he's, uh, you know, he kind of fallen off the pace a little bit with his losses to Djokovic. I mainly want to see how what his attitude is kind of. Is he going to be, you know, is he going to sort of just kind of mail it in, thinking, well, we're going to Europe soon. You know, that's, you know, that's another issue, I think. Uh, in fact, that's a general issue, I think, at this tournament. Um, you know, these guys now, especially the top players, they're coming to the end of this long, hardcore grind that starts in Australia, you know, even before the Australian Open. And they're already thinking about Europe and the clay court season and, and all that stuff. So, you know, are they really... Miami, in some ways, could be a very up-in-the-air kind of tournament, I think. It, it provides... That's, a, that's what I think what I was thinking about for the big names, especially when we look at whether you think... Wozniacki or Djokovic can do the can do the, the transcontinental double here, and it's like, you know, they're, they've obviously just come off a big long week, and some players that that could be big threats were also eliminated very early in Indian Wells, and they've had a couple weeks almost to recover. You think of guys like Murray in particular, maybe it it, it seems like it seems like there 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 can't be a American hardcore swing where Andy Murray doesn't have a say at some point or something like that, but. 
That's very true, actually. It's a good observation. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's he's going to be a time. Plus, he, plus he's going to need the points. He's he's won Miami before. Um, I do think Murray, for for that reason, it just it doesn't seem like he could fizzle out this quickly. And and he's already had a lull from the Australian Open. It seems like he's kind of due to pick up. He's just too good of a player not to. I think. Well, um, Roddick has a lot to defend here too. I mean, it's, I'm curious. You know, I, I really want to see if Andy can pull it back together because I think for a while now, in all honesty, I think people for a couple of years now have been thinking because of the troubles Andy's had beating Roger Federer. Because you know he's sort of behind Rafael Nadal as well, and he's kind of slipped down to that second half of the top ten. I think a lot of people are, are thinking that, well, gee, is his time really going to be passed now? Is he going to? We're going to start looking at him really as just kind of a, a you know a main guy at Wimbledon and the Davis Cup, but really not really there the way he's been at these other events. And you know, it'd be great for Andy to do well at that tournament to, to sort of keep up the reputation. The semifinals of of Indian Wells were the really, and the men's side were the really uh, superstar billing matches. Um, the past four Grand Slam champions, which stretches back years. Uh, just, I'm not going to go deep in the draw, but I saw that the way it works out is the quarterfinals here could be pretty compelling. It's um, Murray Djokovic possibility, Roddick Federer possibility. I'm um, just, just on Djokovic for just a minute. I, let's I guess, do you think that Djokovic can can win this Australian Hibiscane Indian Wells triple here, or, or do you think he's sort of suspect to maybe an, an early round exit by someone? Because it's just such a long grind, especially, you know, he could obviously run into some hot player in the end, but it, it seems like with just the amount of tennis he's been playing, he's also sort of susceptible to an early round, maybe a stun or two. Well, yeah, I've been thinking about that. It's going to depend a little bit about what his draw is, but I've really been wondering whether he's, you know, look, I mean, the guy's done so much this year. You know, he's lost, you know, he's 18 and 0, 19 and 0, whatever it is now in his run. I mean, can he really, is he really going to make it 26 at 26 and 0? Right. And go to Europe with that kind of thing? Or is he going to sit back and say, well, you know, gee, I mean, I've done a lot. I've done a lot of, played a lot of great tennis this year. It's Miami. We're going to Europe soon. He's going to Columbia to play Nadal in an exhibition. You know, maybe, you know, he, this is a guy who's actually taken his eye off the ball in the past. You know, let's face it, he gets a little bit distracted and sidetracked. He, you know, starts loving life. He's, you know, and, and so he's, you know, it's possible to distract him off that mission. But, you know, on the other hand, he really seems like he turned a major corner in Indian Wells with these back-to-back wins over Federer and Nadal. And, and somehow those wins were more resonant to me. That win in Indian Wells, to me, was more of a confirmation of Djokovic's kind of, you know, not so much of his arrival as it were. His arrival is one of those legitimate, you know, top three that you never know, you know, who he's going to who he's going to beat on most surfaces, maybe other than clay. So, you know, I think you know how he reacts to that is going to be interesting. I think he's he's also riding a you know he's riding a big emotional wave. So you know why not go in there and just roll through a bunch? Of guys? Yeah, what his long term view of the whole year sort of intrigues me because he. He may not have much to prove left, I guess, on hard courts in a way, but he has a lot to gain. Um, play court season, of course, you know, no one has re- no one has threatened Nadal. Period for since he came on the scene, and then you know he's still the he still has the number one ranking, which he's never gotten, and that's certainly it's, he's definitely the the leading leading man right now with uh, with the points he's accumulated. So it's it's interesting to see if Djokovic will, um, just like you said, maybe take kind of Miami is what it is. It comes right after any Wells or, you know, maybe it's just, this is, this is his year and this is just another stepping stone along the way. So, so we'll see what, what Djokovic does. Just one note on Federer, cause you wrote about him today. What do you, 
just give me a, a brief summation of what you what you wrote about um, Roger Federer today and how you know how I guess his motivation is for tournaments like these big masters and even the slams. Well, these are you know these tournaments clearly don't motivate him, nor should they at this point in his career. Quite honestly, in terms of the number of wins he's put up and stuff, he's got to be a little bit careful. What I what I picked up on today was you know what he said that he was not frustrated. In, in, that's a quote, I guess, the, the word. Not frustrated by the three straight losses to Djokovic. Well, you know, I don't know. I I think I, I I'd really much rather hear him say, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off about this. Right. This, this this bothers me, and I want to rectify this because." You know, it's pretty, you know, you start reading that and people still say, well, I guess Federer doesn't care anymore. You know, that's really what people are going to say. Look, we know the guy cares. He's a great professional. I, you know, also, I, it, you know, until that guy lays down his racket, I think he's going to be a threat to any tournament he enters. So I, I would by no means take him lightly in that regard. But I think he really needs to, you know, not so much reevaluate where he is, but, you know, sort of how he approaches some of these things. Now, he's going to have these battle options. There's no question about that. He's, you know, fast approaching 30. He's got a lot of miles on the odometer, you know. Granted, he plays an easy game, you know. He's, you know, he, he's not prone to injury, you know. Um, it, it's it's a fairly light game in a sense, and not too stressful on his body and stuff. But you know, it's it's the mental and emotional part that really means means a lot more. And so you can see the guy sort of taking his eye off the ball, but he's got to find a way to, I think, refire himself for these. He's got to find a way. So okay, I got to stop the bleeding here. You know, I'm, I'm number three now behind Djokovic. I got to get back to number two. He says number one still means a whole lot to him. Well, I got news for him. You know, he's. You know, he, I think being number two again, you know, is going to require a pretty big effort mm-hmm. on, on his part because these clay court tournaments going to require a lot of patience uh, for a guy with Federer's game. So I, I, I think he really just needs to, to really, you know, kind of really decide what he wants. He can't just sit back and be passive and say, well, you know, I'll play better again. And I, you know, I'm Roger Federer. You know, I've got 16 Grand Slam titles. I can lose six matches in a row to Thomas Burdick, and who's going to, you know, what's the big deal? And you know what? That uh, I, I don't think that's the best way for him to actually build on the resume and, and get more wins under his belt. Switch to the women's for just a, a minute. We hit on Wozniacki a little bit, and, and uh, I think Kleisters deserves a little attention for for what's what's what happened to her in Indian Wells. She uh, retired with a shoulder injury. Some some called it sort of a uh, you know, not as severe as it, as it may have may have appeared but more so was there uh, some comments afterwards she made about really just at, at this point for her the WTA schedule is just more of a, a burden than, than anything else and, and it's just kind of her goals are the the Fed Cup the slams and that's really that's really where it ends begins and ends there um, I, I guess what do you is there, is there something you would prefer to see from Kleister's term or what do you think uh, what do you think I guess the rest of the year shapes up for her a little bit I'd like to see Kleisters make a legitimate run at having a rivalry with Wozniacki. Clearly not going to have a K-year rivalry, you know, right. at this point. Yeah, so there's not, not much time be, to get it going. No, yeah. they're not going to go down in history as great rivals. Well, look, the bottom line is this. They're, you know, they're kind of co-number ones in a sense. You know, Kleisters has, has come up big on a Grand Slam occasions for a couple of years now. Wozniacki's still looking for that first Grand Slam win. She's a lot younger. She's only 20, so, you know, you, 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 she doesn't have an issue. You know, you, you got to lose a couple of matches. You got to be in a position. You got to be like an Andy Murray, where you know he, you know, after last year he has a tough match with Federer. You know, it's everyone's all what a pity he'll be back. And then this year he really kind of stuck to join it. That's he's got a Grand Slam problem. Other players have had Grand Slam problems when they get to that final stage. Either they blow a big lead or a big opportunity, or they, or, or they choke. You know, Wozniacki's not in that situation. She's really, you know, she's the matches she's lost. Uh, granted, she lost a couple Grand Slam matches before the finals last year that weren't great efforts. 
But, you know, when, when she's gotten late in the tournaments and stuff, she's really played, played pretty decently. So that's not her problem. But, I mean, I would like to see these two women go at it for the number one ranking. And I think, in a sense, I think Pleister's, I don't know, she doesn't owe it to, you know, if anything shows it to herself in a way, to, to, to just go out there and if you're going to play, play. If you're going to play, make the effort, go out there, battle that girl for number one. I don't like the fact that, you know, you know, suddenly, you know, when, when she's out of Indian Wells, it becomes about her shoulder, it becomes about the fact that she doesn't want to play WTA mandatory, it's about the fact that she's a mommy and she can, you know, she has to adjust her schedule. I mean, yeah, those are all factors. It's great that she can play as well as she does being a mother and all that. But I think that a little bit diminishes the field. It's a little bit, she makes it sound as if, she makes it sound, without saying as much, she makes it sound as if the real problem is, you know, her, her attention and focus. That if she were focused and attentive, she could do this, but she's got other things going on. Including right, injury, which I wouldn't second guess. I have no doubt that she's injured, but you know, I, I just went down to I, I would play down the talk. Right, and I guess for the rivalry between those two, you wonder even if, even if let's say Carol Wozniacki like beats Kim Kleisters in a final like this, I think you have to worry about that that rivalry even going forward beyond that. You, I, I think Wozniacki is all would relish a chance to have something like that to kind of. She is the world number one, and that would be just another thing going on for her. But you wonder if Kim would really embrace that, uh, or just kind of, you know, say this is this is how it is, and you know, and what the that's that's just the kind that was dealt there. So, well, she's had such a checkered past. It's funny because if you look at the big picture, you know, she, you know, Kim was overshadowed by Justine Henning for so long, basically. And then, you know, oddly enough, it was, you know, it was the thing that really turned it around for her was sort of. A, these retirements that she and Justine had, and they both came back as different players. Kim came back and suddenly started to win matches and maybe before she loses. Justine comes back and starts losing matches and maybe before she wins. Kim ends up on ahead of just noses ahead of Justine and, and the affections in Belgium, you know. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it, it's been a crazy thing. I mean, her, and her career has, you know, Kim has had some real ups and downs in her career. She's She has not, she you know, nobody's going to look back on Kim Kleister's career and say, look, she was there, she was a tough, really determined player like Maria Sharapova, let's say. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to say that she's got that kind of character out there. But, you know, this, this coming and going and you know, a lot of these issues that swirl around, you know, I think it's a little too convenient. Now, you know, why not go out there and play Wozniak? The other way to look at look at that, from her point of view, is to say, you know, why not have, go out and have a good time with this other girl, this young girl who wants to be number one, go out, have a great time with her, have a couple of matches, see, you know, see who's good, who's the better player in public then. We'll see how it all turns out. Uh, like I said, Pete's going to be down there starting early next week on Sunday. We'll see if uh, Jack Sock remains by the time we get there. He's, he, he's well, we got a couple of young Americans. In Har- Harrison's a wild card. I don't know if Jack Sock has played a pro event yet. ATP level, you know? I don't know. I think this might be his first. Um, he was, a, he was a U.S. Open. I have it. Uh, he was a U.S. Open junior champion right who, who we saw... Um, I think you wrote that match actually for us back. Did, uh, yes. Sock will play Carlos Berloch in the first round, so could be could be Rafael Nadal. Also, and I see Milos Milos Raonic is seated. You know, so you know that's you know this kid has really really come far. I think I'm still reeling a little bit from from Harrison's win over him in, in the sense that it was pretty unexpected. I felt, and I hope Harris, I hope Ryan Harrison can can keep the pressure on and keep keep putting up those W's. Raonic is now protected with a seating, um, so you know you can expect him probably. I, I don't know. It's, it's to me, Raonic is a little bit of a toss-up. He really had such a good run there for a while, but he is still awfully young. You know, it's you, you get a little bit tired emotionally. He's another guy who may be after you know Indian Wells and losing to Harrison. Maybe in Miami, he's not going to 
Rayonich, if he wins his first match, um, he's going to get most likely, if the seeds play out, he will play David Ferrer, actually, who he lost to in the Australian Open in the third round. So, And that's a tough match for yeah. Rayonich, let's face it. I mean, yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's about as tough a match as you can, you can pencil in for him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it all plays out again early in the week. Tune in with us, and we'll podcast from Miami as well. Uh, Pete Bodo and myself, thanks for listening. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 